and welcome to the Beyond Your Research Degree podcast by the University of Exeter Doctoral College. Hi, my name's Debbie Kinsey, I'm a PGRI Exeter Medical School and I'm going to be your host for today. Um, so I'm Jem Redney, I did my PhD in Film Studies, um, finished last April, so April 2019 was when I was awarded, I submitted the September before that, so um, I sort of stopped the actual physical researching and writing 24-7 in September 2018. Um, Immediately after submitting, I got a job at the Student Information Desk um, here at Exeter, um, organising graduation, um, which sounds more stressful the more I like think about it <laughs> actually organizing graduation is actually quite stressful um, but so I did that um, so I did that immediately after submitting completing my corrections while I was doing that um, and then continued doing that for a little bit um, was looking for jobs here and there um, the plan originally was academic jobs, so I was looking for those. There weren't very many. <laughs> um, so, And the more I looked, to be honest, the less I wanted any of the jobs that did come up and were looking. So then in October last year, I decided to apply to the Civil Service Varstream scheme. Um, and finally, it's the longest application process ever. Um, but finally, I found out in February that I've been successful. So I'll be starting there in September, which is um, a bit of a change of direction, but is, um, <laughs> I think, a good move for me. So yeah, that's kind of where I am in my journey at the moment. Yeah. So you were initially, you're working kind of in a university, not in a research role. Yeah. Initially looking for research type jobs, but now I've decided to move outside of the university. Yes. Right. Yeah, so I I worked throughout my PhD anyway, mm-hmm. um, part-time um, at the university, and then that's sort of how I ended up with the job that I um, ended up with once I had submitted. Um, I wasn't in a position that I could, once I'd finished, just do sort of a seminar here and there or like one or two seminars a week I needed an actual job for full-time hours mm-hmm. um, I did originally I, I was offered teaching um, in the year that I I submitted um, but it was only one seminar a week and so I had to say no um, because I needed more than just one seminar a week and I wasn't able to take a full-time job and also do a seminar a week because um, funnily enough the university don't like to employ people on more than a full-time contract so um, so yeah I wasn't able to do that which was a shame because I do really I do miss teaching that is mm. one of the things that I really miss um, but I carried on looking I was constantly looking for jobs um, I was never under the impression that I was going to do graduation organisation forever. That's not something that I thought was on my future plan, really. Mm. Um, So I did carry on looking for jobs, um, but the more I looked, to be honest, the more it's... They were all fixed term, they were all part-time, some of them were fixed term and part-time, and it just wasn't something that I wanted. After doing four years of a PhD, I was ready to just actually know where I was going and where I was going to be and (laughs) have a bit more stability Um, and it was just one of those things that gradually I came to the realisation that actually although I would have loved to stay in academia that it wasn't the top of my priority anymore and Mm. I think that's okay I think that's fine to have come to that realisation it took me a while (laughs) to come to that to come to that realisation but yeah it's not something that 
I have no regrets about stopping looking for academic jobs. There was a point where I just, anything that came up, I went, I don't think I want that job. I just, looking at the looking at the job description, looking at the work involved and things, it's not, I don't think I want it. And when that just kept happening, I thought, yeah, I don't think I want any of these jobs. Um, so I started looking outside. And to begin with, I was a bit sort of, I felt a bit lost in the, I had been aiming at this for so long, um, down this one path, and then I thought, okay, well, what am I gonna do now? What do I even do? <laughs> um, and so I looked for things sort of within universities and um, sort of more student support kind of roles and things, but again, there was just nothing that really struck me. I got, there were a couple of jobs I went for that I think I would have really enjoyed, um, but I came second for all of them, <laughs> um, um, which was lovely that they told me that and also awful that they told me that because um, I'd have rather come last and just been told, no, it's not you. <laughs> so, um, But then I sort of thought, well, maybe I don't need to stay in university at all. Maybe I'll look at other things. And I actually I started looking more at graduate schemes and thinking, well, is there anything that also like PhD... I'm still a graduate. I can still, I can still apply. And there are various things that, um, there are various schemes that actually sort of market themselves at PhD graduates um, as well as other graduates um, of other levels as well. Um, and so I started sort of looking at much more widely than I had been before. Mm. Um, and I actually heard about the civil service scheme on a train, just people behind me were talking and I was really nosy. <laughs> um, so they were sort of just talking about their current roles and everything. Mm. And I was thinking, oh, like, sounds interesting, like what the scheme that they're on. And I had a look at it and um, it's actually designed not just for fresh undergraduates that are leaving university, but also for career changes and people at all different stages of their careers. Mm -hmm. And I quite liked that, that it specifically says we are not just a graduate scheme and we're not just for 20 and 21 year olds that are sort of have just finished their degrees and things. So I sort of had a look into it and to be honest, just sent in an application on the off chance and then um, I mean it's a very long process so the longer I went into it the more I said oh, I actually really want this <laughs> I want I want a place and so yeah it was as soon as I sort of got more more involved in the process and through the application the more I thought yeah actually I think this is a really good move for me it's mm -hmm. something that I think I can apply myself to um, and having a bit more experience beyond sort of having through my PhD the experience I've got um, and through working elsewhere as well, I think will actually be really beneficial. So um, yeah, there are absolutely no regrets on the journey I've taken to get to this point. Um, mm. But it just took me a little bit of time to to come to to come to the realization of what I sort of wanted and needed. To be honest, this is for my own personal well being. I think this is mm. a really good decision and ever since um ever since I've sort of had the plan of like now I know that I'm going somewhere else I'm going off in this direction I've sort of felt almost lighter I've been like yeah this is great <laughs> so I haven't felt yeah. that for a while so that's, that's really good, good. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of that thing where it's important to think about not just the things you enjoy like you really enjoy teaching but mm. also what kind of life you want yeah and a lot of the academic jobs it sounded like that were around that you were finding just didn't fit with the kind of life that you wanted. Yeah, absolutely. And I like I think there are people that can say, yeah, I'm happy to go through a few years of temporary contracts in the hope mm -hmm. that I can then 
go on to a permanent one eventually and that's great and that is originally what I thought I would have to do but the more I thought about it the just the more I was thinking I don't I don't want to have to as soon as I go into a job start looking for another one um, because that's pretty much all I have done (laughs) Um, so um, throughout my PhD I was on sort of temporary contracts anyway which didn't matter because they were part-time and I was always always able to get another one but then I was immediately looking for jobs as soon as I had finished and then immediately looking for other jobs once I got the one that I was in and I was just done with the job search if I'm honest there's only so many applications that I can start and then maybe finish and then um, the competition obviously is always so high Um, so just for my own for my own sake I thought it's okay to have priorities that aren't going into a research job um, yeah. or an academic job um, I still I've still continued to do some research when I have the time I mean yeah. having a full-time job makes that less likely um, but I've got an article coming out soon in a journal and things like that I still really like my research I haven't completely fallen out of love with everything I've done yeah. um, but it's much more I can do it on my own terms there's no pressure or and I can do what I want when I want if someone likes it they'll publish it great but I, there's no sort of expectation that I have to get so many publications out or I have to get this experience in order to get this job that I might only have for six months and um, that's having that knowledge as much it's just so much calmer in my life <laughs> yeah. yeah and it sounds like looking at you said you were feeling a bit lost when you made that decision like you weren't sure where to look yeah it sounds like graduate schemes kind of gave you a bit of structure to that it did yeah it was never it was never something that I had even considered at all um I thought no I'll stay if I don't I'll keep looking for academic jobs and if I don't get an academic job I'll still look in sort of student support Mm -hmm. and it was only when I thought why why do I have this weird thing that I have to (laughs) stay within a university maybe I don't have to work at a university um it was only then and obviously there are so many jobs and you have to try and structure it somehow (laughs) um that then I sort of thought well maybe let's look at the schemes that are out there and there are as I said there are some that do actually market themselves at PhD level and they say that they'll give you like a salary increase if you've got a PhD over a Mm. over a bachelor's or a master's so um there there are schemes out there um and I it was when I discovered that that I thought oh okay well maybe I can look at some of these and I mean investment banking isn't what I'm actually interested in so I didn't apply for quite a lot of them (laughs) um but there are still schemes out there that value PhDs um there are there's more resources I think for science PhDs than there are for humanities PhDs Mm. um in terms of moving into industry or moving um, outside of universities but there are schemes out there and there are there are people that have made the move (laughs) so um so yeah I think discovering that was was really good as a way of at least starting to structure my search Um, and then I had just a lucky train journey so (laughs) So what was the process like? Because you said it was quite an involved process. Yeah, it's a it's a really involved process. So um, I sent the initial application in um, in October, and then I had to go through two rounds of online tests, um, which are 
so it's not really verbal reasoning or anything, which is what I expected it to be. It's kind of they give you a scenario and you have to say which decision is more more valid or um, and you have to sort of say what you would do, that kind of thing. Mm. Um, and then if you pass that, there's a video interview, which is one of the strangest experiences I've ever had because there mm. wasn't a person on the other end. It's just a pre-recorded question, okay. which then you have certain time to answer the question in and then off your recording goes. <laughs> um, so sitting in my kitchen, sort of looking at my wall, <laughs> trying to answer, trying to answer questions was a very strange experience. Um, but I did that and then after that, there's an assessment center um, where you actually meet people for the first time um, and you're with um, lots of other people that are also applying to the scheme and you go through various tasks. And, and then after that, I waited for 10 weeks um, and then eventually found out the outcome um, mm. because they have so many people that they have mm. to they have to set marks for each of the different um, schemes because within the, the within the whole fast stream scheme there are fifteen individual streams that you apply for so they have to sort of set pass marks and gradually narrow the bands and until they have the right number and things like that so it takes a long time but mm. it was hope thankfully worth worth it in the end. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but yeah, it has been. It was a long process. Mm. Um, but handily, I found out that um, it was two days after my birthday, which was nice. Oh, nice. Um, and also the day before, I had an interview for another job, um, mm. which is fixed term until August. Um, so that's just doing. It's doing graduation at another university mm. um, in London. So uh, that was. It was quite. I applied just because it was it's more money than I was I'm earning at the moment and I thought mm. well why not <laughs> um, and then but I probably wouldn't have taken it because it's only fixed term until mm. August um, without the guarantee that I'll have somewhere to go afterwards but I then yeah the next day I had the interview and I went yes I would take this role if asked because I've got time I've got somewhere to go um, and so, so things kind of all fell into place which was nice because before that things hadn't really felt like they were falling into place at all yeah. um, but yes so that kind of brought my leaving Exeter forward by quite mm. a large yeah. <laughs> quite a large amount of time um, which I will obviously be sad to do I've been here for a really long time um, mm. but yeah I think it's a good move for me to sort of just go and for once it's kind of I'm just putting myself first completely mm. it's a completely selfish decision that I'm just going to leave <laughs> um, and do something else for five months and then go and do something else so um, it's yeah it's good for me to have a bit of change of scenery and and work out what I'm good at again yeah, <laughs> yeah. and uh, did you find say during the process of applying or anything you applied things from your sort of PhD time like your anything you learned or skills or how did you sort of transfer the sort of university academic speak I guess into yeah. a different industry I so suppose. I mean I think being able to write well is something that I don't think you can underestimate um, mm. writing applications um, and being able to talk about your experience from when you go to conferences and people say also also oh, tell me about you tell me about your research and you have to suddenly think of something that you hadn't considered and this really high-powered person is asking you about you and you think <laughs> you need to make yourself sound intelligent that's really good for interviews <laughs> <laughs> so um, sort of thinking on your feet about examples of of things you've done um, is really helpful. The most 
helpful thing though I think is just the general project management of doing a PhD mm. um, a PhD is a project and it goes on for a really long time and you have to manage your time you have to manage the individual tasks that make up the whole and knowing how to do that and just that process is so helpful not just for applying and telling people that you're good at project management but also mm. for in the workplace yeah. um, I would not be able to organise graduation without any kind of experience of project management so um, it's things like that that I think people don't realise that you're not just good at writing articles and researching a very niche topic yeah. <laughs> um, you're also good at thinking more widely and planning really far ahead projects go on these projects go on for years mm. um, and you know where you are at any given time and can sort of even if not to other people to yourself you can always you know roughly when you think you might be finished and yeah. sort of you might tell you might tell people that it's a slightly different time I know I did that throughout my PhD I would give a date and then in my head go eh, maybe not that date <laughs> but um that ability is just mm. so helpful um and is an example that I I give in interviews all the time um when people say oh tell, tell me about how you manage your workload. I go, okay, let me tell you a story. <laughs> um, let me tell you all about my PhD. Um, yeah. So um, that is by far the thing that I apply the most. Um, and just in general, I think having a bit more experience of communicating with people, of having interviews, of applying for things, um, applying for grants or sort of travel scholarships, things like that. Um, and just a bit more experience of how that process works and writing about the benefits of certain of certain ventures and um just in general helps I've, i spoke to some people at the assessment center for the civil service that and i mean i was very flattered because to begin with they said what are you studying and i thought <laughs> oh how nice <laughs> um, and they said that you know they'd found the interview really difficult um because they weren't sure what to say they didn't have any concrete examples for things um mm. and they weren't sure what to expect when in a one-to-one -one situation with an interviewer or anything like that but as a phd student you have one-to-one -one situations all the time with your supervisor mm. and I mean, I don't know about anyone else, but my supervisor used to ask me questions that I did not know the answer to. <laughs> um, so that I had never, I hadn't considered before then that actually that was a real benefit, that I had had that experience. I am quite good now at thinking on my feet when someone asks me a question that I don't know the answer to. <laughs> um, but that's not something that everybody has. Um, so it's those, it's those little things that actually can help in terms of applications and talking to people and communicating, um, which I don't think you think about very often when you're doing a PhD. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of thinking about it in those sort of general skill terms, mm. think about it like what you're doing is actually project management, Yeah, not just working on a PhD, it's this weird issue. Yeah, exactly. These, like really useful, generalizable skills. Because I think sometimes when people say if they... I know that when I spoke to family who didn't know what a PhD was and I found it really hard to explain to them and it's only sort of since finishing that I go, it's a really big project <laughs> and it takes 
three to four years and you have to plan each individual task and they go oh okay <laughs> um but sort of while I was doing my PhD I'd say oh yeah, it's like a big essay <laughs> and like that doesn't cover it at all and you know trying to explain that I'm sitting at my computer reading books and writing and people go okay I don't really understand what that is and how that how that counts as work um, um yeah so it is only sort of since finishing that I have been able to explain my PhD in terms that aren't just academic yeah so kind of finding so it sounds like it'd be useful if people thought about how to articulate both what their individual project is but generally just what is a PhD yeah this is what it is <laughs> exactly um and I think I don't think there's enough out there I don't think people mm. focus on these transferable skills much there's mm. a lot of emphasis on transferable skills at undergraduate level um mm. because the range of subjects that people do are so vast but I think there is at PhD level there's less of an emphasis on it because there's an expectation that you'll go on to continue researching even though so many people don't Mm. Um, that was another thing I felt when I was first coming to the realisation that I didn't think I wanted to stay in academia and I was thinking well does this make me a failure am I now a failed academic is that what I'm going to be called no (laughs) Um, it was only when realising actually how many people I knew that had moved outside of academia I know more people that have moved outside of academia than have stayed in it Mm. and it was only when realising that and realising that I didn't call them failed academics that actually it was it, it was fine and but we do I think we need to have a bit more focus on the fact that lots of people don't continue in a mm. university role or in a in a research-based role after their PhD and that that's okay yeah. <laughs> um, and that a PhD is more than just a research degree it is it is a feat of project management and time mm. management and managing your own workload and your time and managing to work independently while also having the stresses of the institution or trying to do some teaching or if you if you've got funding bodies that want to know exactly what you're doing and when then it's there's so much more to it than just the actual thesis yeah like I think sometimes it's couched in terms of being like oh this is research training this is your training to be but actually I'm pretty sure the majority of PhDs don't go on to yeah become academics certainly the majority that I know (laughs) haven't gone on to become academics and some have and that's great yeah um but lots haven't and Mm. they've gone into all kinds of different industries um and I think yeah I think we need to talk about that just a bit more really (laughs) Um, because it was when I found myself googling like what happens if I don't go into academia with a PhD (laughs) and then like there's a few blog posts and a few things saying oh you know this is what your PhD actually means in terms of skills and I went oh my goodness I have skills that aren't (laughs) just writing about film studies (laughs) Um, so um which I knew I knew I had skills that weren't film studies but um but it's nice to actually have that, have someone to say, it's fine, you, yeah. there are other jobs <laughs> um, and other jobs that will value your experience as well. Yeah, that will value your experience and that might, like especially, like say in your case, fit better with your life. Yeah, and, like, yeah. yeah. I think it's okay to put yourself first, mm. which is something that I didn't do during my PhD really at all, yeah. um, and wasn't something that I was doing when I first started looking for jobs. Mm. Um, and 
it was coming to the realisation that I had absolutely no desire to apply for a job that was called, um, what was it called? It was called an unestablished teaching fellow. Like, the fact that that job title even exists <laughs> made me go, oh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> um, so, and I think it's okay to come to that conclusion that that's yeah. not what I wanted <laughs> um so yeah like I've got a partner I'm ready to maybe buy a house and <laughs> actually plant down some roots somewhere rather than constantly wondering where I'm going to be next so um that's that's an okay realization that I have come to mm. um and yes I do miss the teaching the teaching is the part of it that I do miss mm. um but there are so many in any of the jobs that I would have applied for there was so much teaching plus that it's never just teaching and mm. that's the same in any teaching profession that's not just universities that's teaching in general yeah. um and um there are always parts of it that I went oh yeah I don't think I want that. <laughs> um, but I'm going into, the, so the stream I'm going into in the civil service is HR. So mm. it's still really people focused and I'm going to be training, I'm going to be mm. teaching people things and I can use my skills in those ways rather than rather than teaching undergraduates specifically. Yeah, it's again thinking about it, the skills and the things you enjoy in broader terms. So yeah. teaching is not just in schools and universities, yeah. it's also training in all everywhere really yeah and it was sort of when I was thinking about that and um I was thinking yeah I want to work with people definitely and mm. I want and I would love to be able to have some kind of teaching role in that but I don't want to be a school teacher mm. um, I know lots of school teachers and I think it's admirable but it's not something I could ever do <laughs> um so and I was thinking well, well what am I going to do then and then I was thinking well actually I've gone to training sessions in my job so people run those that's that's a thing people do um and yeah so it was coming to the conclusions that really I just needed to start thinking outside the box a bit more and there aren't just certain jobs that you have to go into that there's all kinds of all kinds of roles that you can fulfill and still work with people and still train people and have pass on knowledge and things like that so yeah, that's um, <laughs> it's been a long time coming, but it's yeah. realizations that I gradually made over sort of the last year. So. Yeah, yeah. And if say someone else, or even just I don't know, your past self, kind of in the middle of their PhD trying to figure out what they want to do next, is there any kind of experience you reckon recommend them getting, or anything that you think would be helpful for them to think about or do? I think just thinking about overall what you'd like from a job, so um, in very broad terms, so I'd like to be able to manage someone, or um, I'm not interested in management, but I would like to work with people or in some kind of training capacity. So very broad terms that aren't are neither academic nor non-academic. Mm. Um, first of all just to give you a better idea of any kind of sector that you might be able to go in because I I certainly to begin with was very limiting I was I limited myself to sort of higher education um it's a sector I feel really strongly about and so I thought yeah fine higher education but there are so many different roles within higher education um that you still need to have sort of an idea of 
what you want to do. Um, and I think it's okay to be choosy about jobs. Um, there was a period of time where I sort of just applied for anything I thought I was vaguely qualified for, but then thought, actually, would I want this job at all? And when I really thought about it, the answer was no. So having an idea of at least the kind of role you want and then having a look at what's out there and thinking, okay, so I want to work with people. Well, that can mean what kind of people do I want to work with? And then that can point down all kinds of different roads that sort of aren't what you expected. I certainly, three years ago, would never have said that I was going to go into HR and the civil service. That's not something that I had ever (laughs) considered. Um, But sort of just don't feel like you need to limit yourself. And um, thinking in those broad terms can help that, I think. Um, But it can be a a scary place to try and just go, I need a job. Um, I don't know where (laughs) so um, so yes I resisted the urge at one point just to sort of send out CVs and say needs job will travel (laughs) but um, but yeah thinking about the in more broad terms and then being able to pinpoint your sort of top five so I wanted a permanent job or at least something that would lead to a permanent job Um, And that was really high up on my list of priorities. And then as soon as you've got those priorities, you know sort of what jobs you can apply for and what jobs really aren't worth the application process. Um, Because often, especially with academic jobs, I found I was putting my absolute all into an application only to be turned down. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And there are only so many rejections you can take before you start taking it personally. (laughs) Um, So I think... And on all of those, I have absolutely no doubt that really my application, if you read if you read between the lines, you could see that it wasn't the job that I wanted. Mm. Um, and churning out applications will do that. Sort of, you'll become very generic. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so having those sort of top five things that you're looking for that you won't compromise on. Mm. So I want a permanent job. I want to work with people. Um, to be honest they were my top two things I wasn't really that fast after that um, but at least something at least some kind of priority will then help you draw your line as to what you apply for and what you don't yeah so just spending some time really reflecting on what matters to you the most what yeah. your priorities and then thinking about whether you stay in academic or academia or not like where do those priorities fit in yeah, and, yeah. absolutely and I mean To begin with, one of my priorities was I want to be able to carry on with my research um, and flexible working options are certainly that that covers that. Mm. Um, I have no desire to completely give up research altogether. I've spent so long researching and it's part of what I do. Mm. Um, And I think it's part of me as a person. So I have no desire to completely stop, but the ability to do it in my own time and research exactly what I want when sort of inspiration strikes is I think will be better for my research as a whole (laughs) Um, and better for me and so a flexible working option is always better Um, so I at the beginning of this year in my current role um, had flexible working approved where I worked condensed hours so worked longer longer hours on four days and then had a day off each week which meant that I could do whatever I wanted I didn't have to do research there were days I did not. <laughs> um, but then there were also days that I sort of sat down with my computer again and got my academic head back on. And um, and I've got an article coming out 
hopefully soon, <laughs> depending on whether they accept my recent corrections. But um, but yeah, so that's that's something that I've been able to keep hold of and and sort of keeps part of my academic identity in a way. Yeah. Um, because it is it is an important part of me and um, it's not something that I haven't as I say I haven't grown to hate my research that's not what's happened at all yeah. um, but those priorities have sort of helped change the way I look at the job search in general yeah so kind of spending some time reflecting on your priorities and then also revisiting them in case they do shift. yeah like originally your priority was to get an academic job mm-hmm. and that kind of shifted and then, yeah, thinking about how you can integrate all those different things. So it's not like if you do still want to research, you won't necessarily have to just shut a door on that. Completely. Yeah, absolutely. Like, no one, I don't know anyone, not even academics, who only research for their entire time. And then they go, this is my researching time. And then <laughs> that's it. So sort of you don't you don't have to close doors to anywhere, um, mm. I think there's absolutely nothing that says that you have to be a lecturer at a university in order to be published as an academic so it's a um there's you shouldn't limit yourself I don't think um it's okay to say I'd like to be sort of a casual researcher rather than do it as a hobby rather than (laughs) rather than do it as my only job I think in I think in many ways I would be better as a casual researcher um so um yeah I think just keeping being mindful of what you want and what your initial reactions are to things. Um, certainly when I started realising that I was looking at jobs and going, there's a job that I could apply for. Do I really want this job? And suddenly realising that I was hesitating so much more on job applications and going, mm. maybe I should listen to myself a bit more. I clearly don't want this job. Let's not spend three days working on an application for it. Um, and sort of just, yeah, being aware of what your own gut feelings are about mm. things because um, I started realising that actually being happy in whatever job I was doing was actually much more important to me than the job itself. Um, And it has made such a difference Um, since having something fall into place, I have been like a different person. (laughs) So, um, and everyone has noticed. (laughs) Um, um, And I will be so sad to leave Exeter and I don't know what I'm going to do when I actually have to leave because I will have to probably be prized away. (laughs) Um, But it's it's good to stretch out a bit and and go in a different direction sometimes. That's what people need sometimes, I think. (laughs) And it's okay to have you can feel both those things you can feel a desire to move something else and still feel sad that you're leaving yeah. it's not like oh you you should only look elsewhere if you absolutely hate it yeah of your i think that's the thing um you don't have to sort of taking a change of direction doesn't have to be out of loathing for what you currently have um it can just be a, you know what i think it would be really great if i did this for a bit and that's fine um but I don't think I don't think we really talk about any directions in terms of when people are doing a PhD. It's kind of finish your thesis and then all after that you'll go into a researching post, which is not the case. <laughs> it's not as easy as that for anyone. Um, but it's kind of the expected trajectory. And yeah, I think no one ever sort of mentions that sometimes people don't want to do that and that's fine and maybe we can maybe we can talk a little bit more about what people might do 
if they decide they don't want to go into a a PhD can be used as a trial at the end of the day mm. if you don't if you decide at the end of it that you don't like the process of researching then you don't have to stay in research <laughs> yeah yeah and you said you worked part-time alongside yeah. doing part-time PhD did um did uh doing that help at all with your kind of I think through? it kind of helped me come to the realizations that there was other work that existed um and kind of helped keep me grounded in the real world as well as in academia um there were certainly times when it was hard to juggle my two my two identities of um academic and not academic um but i think it did help to a certain extent that i thought well i've been doing this throughout my phd anyway there's clearly nothing wrong with doing the two, so why can't I do the two forever? <laughs> um, and just because my PhD finished, it didn't mean that my interest in research finished. Um, but it certainly made me more aware of the fact that there are other roles that I am suited to. Mm-hmm. Um, I absolutely loved all of the all of the temporary jobs I did during my PhD. There was nothing that I thought, oh, I'm never doing this ever again. Um, so it did help to a certain extent. There was also, I think, the fact that I was working and then I needed a full-time job. Obviously, there was le- I had less time to think about whether I would go into a, a teaching post or a research post. There wasn't anything that was immediately available as soon as I finished my PhD and therefore it was going to be non-academic. And mm-hmm. I knew that and that was yeah. fine. I still continued to look for academic jobs, but it was certainly quicker in that immediate period. I didn't have sort of any time at all. I didn't have months of going, okay, well, I've got this very small amount of teaching will it maybe go anywhere else like could I try and extend it in any way um which I know that I know people that that they've had to do that process where they've had sort of two seminars a week or a few hours teaching a week and that's been fine for a little bit and then they've got to the point where they've gone well now I need something more than this but I don't know if I'm going to be offered it and I don't know if if there's a process for it um Mm -hmm. so my my sort of immediate cut was very was much quicker um I said well I need a full-time job there isn't currently one available there's one here (laughs) Um, and that's where I went um but again it's it's still my skill set hasn't changed because I've left academia Mm. I am still the exact same person I was when I was doing my PhD and I think that took me a little while to realize that actually doing a non-academic job didn't make me a different person I was still a doctor and I still have that qualification and I'm still using stuff from doing a PhD um so yeah that took me a little bit longer um the acknowledgement of the non-academic world was quick but the acknowledgement that I wasn't a different person in the (laughs) non-academic world was quite a long time really um that came that came afterwards yeah so kind of thinking about your identity as an academic and what that means if you're not in academia and your interests and skills and I guess a bit like you were saying before you have you develop all these generalizable massive generalizable skills in your PhD which aren't necessarily always talked about as much as they should be and I guess the same goes for your identity yeah like you are just a human (laughs) yes exactly um and sort of I sort of put myself in a box of PhD student for such a long time and became by the end of my PhD so good at trying to explain what that meant and 
trying to justify the fact that it is a job doing a PhD because so many people don't understand that actually doing a PhD is a job um, and it's it can sometimes be draining saying to people yes I'm a student but I'm also I'm not really a student what you think I'm saying when I say I'm a student is not what I am <laughs> um, and sort of putting I'd, I had myself I am a PhD student that is what I am <laughs> this is what I do on a day-to-day -day basis Sometimes outside of that, I also go and work and do all of these other things. Um, but in my head, that was it was just two separate things. It was two separate, completely two separate roles mm. that I did. When, no, I was still the same person in both of those roles. And it's just that I did research in one of them and I didn't do research in another. Um, but I still project managed and I still taught people how to do things. Um, it was just not teaching students about film it was teaching staff about systems and that's you know it's the same skill and it's still I use the same skills that I did for my PhD for every other role but I haven't I hadn't even considered that that was the case while I was doing my PhD um, which sounds really silly um, in hindsight that of course I wasn't literally two different people <laughs> um, but it can feel like that sometimes I think yeah. that you can be so involved in your PhD project that it's kind of like looking through a tunnel at it um, and when you're in that tunnel there's nothing else you're not you're not outside of it in any way and everyone that even sort of mentions your PhD or comes into that tunnel with you it never leaves like that's that's the only context in which you in which you refer to them um but that's not that's not the case and it's mm. once I realized that maybe I could use the skills I was using during my PhD for other things I became a lot more enlightened in my own job search and sort of thinking about what I wanted and realizing that I could use it to my advantage rather than thinking about myself as a failed academic which is for a while what I sort of thought about so yeah so it's kind of thinking about what your priorities are in general what you want and then also thinking about what skills you actually do have from your PhD kind of decompartmentalizing it from yeah. PhD life to actually even though for you you were doing it literally at the same time yeah. the job, it still was like this compartmentalized yeah. thing so kind of broadening out how you think about what you're doing and how that fits with your priorities and what jobs there are yeah there. absolutely um and yeah decompartmentalizing is exactly what I would say because I had I had completely compartmentalized my life into little boxes that sort of, okay, today I'm putting on this hat and then I will put on another hat and then I'll go home and I might put on another hat because no one wants to talk about their PhD all the time. Um, so it's realizing that actually maybe you can just wear one hat <laughs> and do different things with that hat on um, is yeah definitely part of my journey, especially, um, and has been very helpful in sort of the last year where I've come to terms with with what I originally had deemed as failure and now I, I have no regrets whatsoever. So, yeah. so yeah. now you wouldn't call it academic failure, it no. would be something else. Is there a word? <laughs> no, I mean, some, someone I know did say, um, 
did say to me that there are lots of people in the civil service who are in academic rehab but yeah. I don't think I I don't think I want to call it rehab because <laughs> um, that makes academia sound even worse than I even think it is um, so I don't think I need to I don't think I need to go into rehab for academia um, but no I don't know if there's a word a word for it um, but um, just there is this there is this idea that if you don't go into an academic job that you have somehow failed at academia but I mean you can't fail at academia that's not a thing mm-hmm. um and everyone has their own has their own journeys and their own priorities in life and I think as long as you have found out what yours are and it might be that your priority is getting that academic job and that's fine that's there's nothing wrong with that either um but if it's not your priority that is also okay and we although there won't be people around that tell you that that's okay it is okay um and having at least having an idea of what your priorities are is just so it's just so important um because for four years my priority was finishing my phd and that was really all i thought about Mm -hmm. for the whole time um and then when i eventually finished it i went well what now (laughs) what do i do (laughs) um and there's the weird interim period anyway when you submit and then you have nothing to do because you can't read it straight away why i don't know anyone that would do that to themselves um and if and if they would i would strongly recommend not doing it um but there's sort of that weird time where you have literally nothing to do until then you prepare for the viva um and then you invariably get corrections to do which um, that was, it was a hard time trying to complete the corrections while also in a full-time job. Um, but I I did it and that was fine. Luckily, my corrections were only minor, so I was able to do it sort of of an evening um, over the course of a couple of weeks and, um, and that was all fine. And then it kind of all, well, then it all just ended. And I thought, well, is that it now? Is my, am I not an academic anymore? And um, the answer is no, I'm still very much an academic in that I like to do research and I still class myself as academically minded if there is such a thing um but I'm just not working in academia and I'm much happier for it I think yeah and that's it for this episode join us next time when we'll be talking to another researcher about their career beyond their research degree